Welcome to the Ben Dice COC podcast, where we make content for those who are seeking to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what Jesus did. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. Thank you. But uh, just a little bit about me, uh, and I'll only share the last couple of years. The last couple of years have been pretty crazy, pretty hectic, um, a lot of ups and downs for me, wrestling with my, my uh, relationship with God, what I believe. Um, I started leading the church here a year ago, year and a half ago, so it's new. Um, I, I was working with the campus ministry, leading the campus with my wife, Sarah. We've been married excuse me, um, for man, eight, eight years now. Um, we have a three-year-old Ava. We have a two-year-old Macy. We have a a girl on the way just this past year. Um, my father passed away and six months before that, my, my grandma passed away. Um, my youngest daughter has special needs. Um, and I'll explain a little bit about that in the lesson. Um, and, and so all of that, all of that together and, and trying to really help a church lay a better foundation than what was before and heal. Um, I wrestle with depression. I, I wrestle with um, God, uh, um, things that I once believed. I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. And so um, I, I'm journeying with you. And what I'm going to talk about today and what Peter talks about today, I I feel like I need for myself and as a young leader and, um, but let's, let's dive in. You guys are in first Peter. Let's go to first Peter two. Um, and I want to take us through the text and this isn't the most popular, um, thing to talk about today. Peter's going to talk about submission. We're going to go through 1 Peter 2, and then I want to share some some ways that we can apply this to our own lives. But remember when the Bible was written, there were not chapter numbers, there weren't headings, there weren't these fancy um, submission to rules and masters above verse 13. None of that was there. It was read as a letter. So I want to just recap a little bit. This is very boiled down, but in chapter 1, Peter says, you've been saved. You have an inheritance with God. Therefore, live holy and pure lives. Chapter 2, which I I, I believe Joey talked about. I didn't get a look at his last lesson. But because of this salvation, rid yourselves of of a worldly life. You're part of a royal priesthood. A priesthood that represents a spiritual house. And is to cause men and women to turn to God. So picking up in verse 13. Peter goes on to tell us how this spiritual house, how this royal priesthood should should interact relationally with those who aren't in the church, but but I believe also in the church. And this is a high calling. So we're going to work through this. We're going to look at what this means today, how we apply it. Verse 13, submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Let's stop there. Peter lays an example that his audience really would have had identified with. 
they re remember they live under the Roman rule, right? So as he's talking about the king um, or the authorities, the governors, the king, they get this. But he's telling them to submit to a forceful, authoritative, a, a harsh and brutal rule. The Romans instilled fear. They took advantage of those they ruled, exploiting them, using them, killing them to say, this is an example if you try to stand against us. And in this time, Peter is writing during Nero's reign, who literally tarred and burned Christians to light his palace. So within this context, Peter says, submit to the authority figures, submit to kings, submit to governors. That's a hard pill to swallow. He says, do this for the Lord's sake in verse 13. And it begs the question, how is it for God's sake that men should submit to the authorities? How might this please God? How is this God's plan and will? A couple of verses, you can write them down and read them later. But Romans 13 and 1 Timothy 2, Paul expands on this idea too. And Paul explains in these verses, which are a little bit um, he flushes this out a little bit more. Authorities are in place and even established by God. These authorities act to bring about God's justice. He says, Paul explains disobedience to the authorities is disobedience to God. Paul says that the one who does right does not need to fear. And Peter says that too. But it's the one who does wrong and submit because of possible punishment but also because of your conscience. So that is the summary that, that Paul and Peter leave for us. And this, this word submit in the Greek means to place under, but it literally means to place under God's arrangement. Allow yourself to be under what God has arranged. God has arranged these things or allowed these things to be in place. So allow yourself to be under them. Submit yourself to be under them. The Bible never tells Christians, and I think this is very important because in our hearts, I think we want to push back against this, to submit to authorities if it means violating God's law. And the Bible never says submit against one's conscience or in renouncing our faith or faithful principles. So the Bible doesn't ever say submit if it means this. Peter goes on to say in verse 15, let your lives speak louder than your words. For, for this silences ignorant and foolish talk of men. Um, in verse 16, he says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as servants of God, show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. He says, you're free, but don't do whatever you please. Don't allow your freedom to be an excuse for evil. Although you are free and you've been freed from sin and incorrect thinking, wrong and sinful alliances, you're free from the control of men. Remember, that came at a great cost. That came because Jesus laid his life down for you. Live as a servant of Jesus. Okay, verse 17. 
Oh, I just read verse 17. He says, respect everyone there. Respect all people. Show proper respect to everyone. And I think in our day and age, and I've thought this and believed this at times, we hear things like respect is earned. They don't, res- they don't deserve my respect. They lost my respect. But this is going against the scripture because Peter says, respect everyone, whether they deserve it or not, whether they lost the respect, whether they've earned it or not, he says, respect everyone. Show proper respect. Verse 18, he says, slaves, submit yourselves to your masters and with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable to God. This makes sense. He tells slaves, submit to your master, submit to good and to harsh masters. If a man suffers because he's doing good and he's conscious of God, it's commendable. And this is logical. We get this. But if a man suffers and brings suffer, if he submits and brings suffering on his own head, but he's not doing good or he's, he's doing wrong. How is that commendable? Right. It's like, you kind of brought that on yourself and we've all done that. Right. We've all been like, man, I've been going through a hard time. I'm, this has been a rough period in my life. And then we look and we go, "Hmm, a lot of that might be caused just by me. (laughs) I, I think I kind of brought that on myself, but next Peter brings this the rest of this chapter together and he gives them the motivation for submitting. He knows that this is challenging, especially for them in the world they were living in. And we could go, this is challenging for a lot of people today who feel like I've received unjust punishment or um, what's going on with, with um, African-Americans today. Right. So this could be challenging for a lot of people today as well, but especially then it was. Peter says, here's your motivation in verse 21. He says to this, you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Peter says, Christ suffered for you. Therefore, Follow his example. He gave you an example to follow. He suffered being not just good, but perfect. No deceit, no hidden agendas, no duplicity was found in his mouth. And yet he suffered for you. When insults came, when they beat him, when they spit on him, when they mocked him, when they tempted him, it says here, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And then Peter ends 
because of this, not only do you have an example to follow, but you have so much more. You've been set free from wandering. You've returned to the rightful place with God as your shepherd. You have had your sins forgiven, and now you can live for righteousness and be healed. So he says, you don't just have an example and someone to look to to follow. You've been, you are at home. You are with your father. Your sins are forgiven. You can live for righteousness. Your wounds are healed. Okay, I want to talk about a few areas for us. A few areas of application for us today. If we're honest, and I think we are, submission is hard and unnatural. It's hard. Naturally, we think our idea is best. Wasn't this Adam and Eve's downfall? Hasn't this plagued men ever since the beginning? That they think that we think we're right? We think we know best? Submission is hard because it requires that we see that our way isn't always best. Disciples, I have found, me included, can be really hard to move from, from their or my own position when we think we're right. Especially if we grab one verse and we go, this validates my view. This supports my position. Disciples can really dig in and not submit. Add in the fact that it becomes even harder when we don't agree or don't think the direction by the other person is best or we don't respect them or they've done something to hurt us, right? That can make it even harder to go, why would I, why would I submit to them? And Peter already covered that. We should respect everyone. It challenges our pride, our free will, um, our desire to show that we are more competent. I know better. It challenges those who want to take matters into their own hands. But this is where it's not about the other person or authority at all. Jesus gives us the clue to submission in verse 23. He says, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Our submission is about this one word, entrusting. Jesus entrusted. The Greek for this word literally means to hand over. He committed himself to. But in the Greek, this, this reads a little differently than my 84 version. And maybe the 2011 NIV reads differently or whatever version you're reading. But in the Greek, this reads, he kept handing it over or kept entrusting to God as an ongoing process. It wasn't that he did it once. It's almost like through his suffering and through this unjust treatment, Jesus continually was handing it to God, handing it to God. God, you're in control. You know best. You will judge justly. You will vindicate me. You know the hearts of men. Jesus shows us, leave it to the one who knows all things, judges fairly, who can really accomplish what you want anyway, better than you want. When my youngest daughter was born, she had seizures the second day after birth. And this was the scariest and most traumatic time for me and for her mom, for Sarah. 
We didn't know up from down, left for right. Life was confusing. We were hearing all sorts of opinions from good-hearted people and ideas. Her seizures were not stopping. She has them to this day. She probably always will. Her life expectancy will be shorter because of this. She's on two seizure meds, and this is only one piece of her health complication. But she was having trouble breathing. Um, meds right after birth were, were helping at a time, and then she'd break through the med, and she'd have more seizures. And we would try a different med, and she'd break through the med. And my fear was, what if she continues to keep breaking through the meds, and no meds can help her? And sadly, or... I'm dealing with it, but, but my fear became a reality. And ideas were brought up about cooling where they, they cool babies off. And sometimes that can help with traumatic brain injuries or getting to a children's hospital. And Sarah and I started to question everything the doctors were doing. We questioned their degree. We looked into their degrees. Where did they go to school? We'd look them up. We questioned the hospital. We questioned the process. We were questioning everything. And eventually we got to the place where we realized we just have to trust. <laughs> and it was so relieving once we did. As hard as it was, we had to just trust God, trust the doctors, trust the hospital, trust the, the process that is in place, the authorities in place. In a verse that became very poignant and helpful for me was Psalm 127. Madison, Joy, this might be a good one for you having a, a baby daughter. Because I know the fear, the fear of, oh no, like SIDS and different things, right? Psalm 127 reads this. It talks about building the house. And I always focused on that as a young man, like unless God builds the house, the, the, the builders labor in vain. Like I always thought about that as a young church builder, God build the house. But the second part reads, Unless God watches over the city, the watchman stands guard in vain. It just helped me to realize, in, unless God watches over my daughter, I watch in vain. What can I do? God is watching. God's always with my daughter. I sign out and God never leaves the hospital. God's in control. I must trust him, and I must trust those that he placed in authority. Let me ask you, what areas do you tend to take control rather than handing it over to God? Is it your finances, your future, the uncertainty of the future, areas of spiritual growth, your relationship? What is it for you? What do you try to take into your own hands instead of going, God, you do this. This is yours. For me, I need to continually, I need to be better at continually handing over the Missoula church and saying, God, guide, direct, help, lead. These are your people. It's not about me. Let me mention a few indicators of a submissive spirit. Sometimes we can be like, like we can apply spiritual principles like driving and go, because everyone thinks they're a good driver. So even with spiritual principles, we, uh, we tend to go, hey, 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 I do that. Of course I do that. Let me give a few indicators that I think show a submissive heart. If you trust God is working regardless of the people around you, I think that's an indicator. You champion others' causes perhaps more than your own. 
people in the church or people around you would say, you are a team player. You, you get behind what other people do. And you let your life shine more than your mouth talk. Because Peter says in this submissive spirit, it's not about arguing. It's not about fighting. It's your life silences the ignorant talk. I think those are a few indicators. Okay, number two, the second thing I just want to mention, submission lets our light shine. Submission is hard, but it's amazing. Submission removes so much headache, so much fighting, so much tension. It removes a great deal of stress for us, not responsibility from us, but stress as we go, God, you're in control. Submission is the path to better working relationships with our spouse, brothers and sisters in the church, siblings, the workplace, the list goes on. It's a key to relationships. Allow me to explain for a second a generational gap, because I'm sure that it's in Bend. It's definitely in Missoula. And I see a generational gap or a misunderstanding when it comes to submission in the church. Here's what I see. For millennials and younger people, younger disciples, there's a tendency not to appreciate those who went before us, that laid the groundwork, sacrificed and worked hard. We don't tend to respect titles positions, resumes, for whatever reason, because we've been burned or we've seen leaders fall or what, whatever reason. Therefore, although someone may be older or more experienced, we don't submit. We want them to prove they are worthy of our respect and submission. And this is not what the Bible teaches, but it's where we tend to lean. For older people, there's a much greater deal of respect for position, for authority figures and leaders, but you can have a hard time submitting to those younger than you. In your cynicism, maybe, you can think, well, they're young and they just haven't, they haven't hit their head. They don't have their scars. They haven't experienced life yet. They don't, they haven't gone through what I have. They haven't persevered. They don't know um, what it's like to be on a mission team. They haven't done this or that seen what I have. So why should I listen to them or take this idea? But this is also wrong biblically. biblically, And we see this tension um, between the older generations and the younger generation um, when it comes to submitting to one another. But both are wrong biblically. We're, we're called to submit to one another. For your light to shine and bend, There has to be mutual submission. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This verse doesn't give any prerequisites. It says, everyone submit to everyone. It doesn't say submit only if or submit to one another if, dot, dot, dot. It says submit because of reverence for Jesus. If the world will know you are my disciples because of your love for one another, right? John 13, you will need to learn to be in an ongoing dance of submission, just like the Missoula church needs this. The city of Bend will not see Jesus through arguing, fighting, pride, disagreement. They will come to know Jesus through your submissive spirit, not because you have to submit, but because you desire to submit because it's about Jesus more than the other person. 
You desire to lay your life down because Jesus is your king. Peter will continue this theme in chapter three with Sarah. Bend I love you guys. I'm so grateful that I get to connect with you. I already feel deeply connected with the Hungerfords, um, with with Jesse, with Ben and Sarah, and and I I want to um, connect more and more. I know you guys are far, but but the Oh My group is getting tighter and tighter, working together, um, and so I look forward to more times that we will spend together. Please. Keep us in your prayers. We will keep you in our prayers. Um, keep me in your prayers. I don't, life is going to get crazy for me, um, but I love you guys. And we're going to take communion now. Um, if you didn't grab any bread or juice, please do so. Communion is going to be short, but I'm just going to give you something to think about. I want to read Philippians 2, 1 through 11. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose, excuse me, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be that of Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, Jesus entrusted, Jesus submitted to God the Father. Through his death, we, he was continually trusting, continually submitting. I don't think this verse says he was entrusting or submitting, but we see this. We should have the same attitude, it says. And the attitude of Christ was he was humble, even humble and obedient to death on a cross. No submission, no salvation. Jesus's submission led to our salvation. His submission to go, you know what, God, I'm, I trust you. I am entrusting to you. I'm going to do what you, um, what you know is best and you have called me to do. It's not the path I want. It's not the path that's easy. It's not the path that is fair. It is not the path that, um, is even right or, or, um, pain-free but I trust you that this is the path to save men's souls. This is the path to show our deep love for salvation, for humankind and to save them. Praise Jesus that his submission led to your and my salvation. Let's Thanks for listening to the Bend ICOC podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening with us today. If you have, be sure to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. 
Thank you. I love you. I love you.